right, so we're going to continue our study in the book of Genesis. If uh, you didn't get a prayer book last week and you'd like one, those are uh, out in the lobby. I think they're $10. It's uh, got the whole book of Genesis. You can take notes in the sermons or some people use them for small group Bible studies. It's got 21 days of prayer and fasting devotions in there, Bible reading plan, all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, those are out there. If, if you're interested, help yourself to those. Um, we're going to be in Genesis 2 today. And I'm going to do a couple of, of, of preliminary comments. Uh, because really, the next, the, the next six or eight weeks are going to be hard. I'm just telling you that now. Um, I keep, a, I keep a, a printed sheet on my desk that says the apostles and the prophets were not killed because they preached love. They were killed because they preached truth. And my job here is to teach truth. I don't think I'm going to get killed. But, but I'm, I keep that statement there to remind me that my job is always to teach the truth. Now, hopefully I do it in love. That's my intent. Uh, but we're going to be dealing with some very, very hard subjects in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. And in Genesis 2, the topic is marriage. We start with Adam and Eve and God's design for, for marriage from the beginning. So here's my, here's my uh, prenup, okay? So here, here we go. Uh, if you're, 50% of you are single, okay? So if you're single, uh, by choice, you're single by death, you're single because of divorce. God loves you. And 1 Corinthians 6 says this, if you want to marry, you are free to marry in the Lord. In the Lord, that's the key phrase. In if you want to remain single, Paul said that's the greatest thing you could do because you can devote more time to me, to the Lord. Okay, so I just want to put that statement up front. Let's talk about children for a minute. Sometimes the children get caught in these stories and they had nothing to do with it. Listen, children are a gift from God. I don't care what the story looks like and how the child showed up. Every child is a gift from God. Yes? We're going to talk about that in detail next week. We'll, 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 get to, we'll get to that story. If you're divorced, a lot of you that are divorced, it wasn't, you didn't ask for it. You're like, what about me? You're free to marry the Lord or you're free to stay single? It's up to you. Single parents. There's everything here. Maybe you're the one that caused the divorce. Is there forgiveness? Of course there's forgiveness. Is that enough prenup? Can I move on now? Now we're going to get real, okay? We're going to get to the truth. Because what God gives Adam and Eve is the plan, the way God intended marriage to work. Now, I'm reading through the Old Testament right now. And what I cannot believe is... Page after page, chapter after chapter of failures. Everybody's a failure. So don't feel special. Everybody's a failure. That's what I've found out. It's like, isn't, hasn't anybody got their act together? No. Generation after generation, they keep committing the same sins, the same, the same folly goes on over and over again. Guys, that's why Jesus came. That's why in the middle of the book, there's a cross. Because Jesus died to bring forgiveness for all of us. All right? So if you're married, my goal tonight is to keep you that way. If you're, if you're living together, my goal is to get you married. If you're single and want to get married, call me. We'll work out a dating deal with some, some with Christian online something. We'll figure something out. All right? All right? Listen. But we're going to look at what the biblical model for marriage really is. So if you'll stand out of respect for God's word, I'm just going to read one verse. But it's big enough. All right. That is why 
A man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Now, I want you to look at this, all right, because here's the whole message. Leave, weave, and cleave. You got those? Leave, weave, and cleave. That's where we're going, all right? You can be seated. All right, here we go. So... My, uh, my first time meeting my wife was very interesting. I knew her from, from college. We met, we met in college and, um, I went to pick her up on the first date and I, you know, what do I know? She didn't tell me everything before I, before I went to pick her up. So here, here she is. And, um, she was out working with her, with her bees and I went to pick her up and so she came, she took her, her hat off and she had a couple of stings on her neck where the, you know, the bees had gotten through. And I knew right then. Anybody know? She was a keeper. <laughs> you think because I added a service, the jokes were going to get better? She is a keeper. 39 years we've been married. Just to, just to give you perspective. Yes. Uh, she's put up with me for 39 years. That's the way I should really put it. But I want to make this statement. God has a plan for your sexuality. See, the problem is, we go back to last week's sermon, and we talked about the fact that people start with a worldview that disavows God, or any form of God, and they disavow the Bible, and they say brilliant things like, the Bible was written by men. And I always ask the question, who wrote Origin of the Species? I'm just curious. My book is claimed to be written by God himself. It's written by men, but inspired by God. There's, there's nothing from Charles Darwin that says his is inspired. And honestly, for 4,800 years, my book was going strong long before Charlie showed up. Okay? Just letting you know that. But the problem is, when we live in a culture that has disavowed the Bible, disavowed God, disavowed the principles, how do they learn about marriage? How do they have any idea of what a marriage ought to look like? Especially when you look at a lot of the broken homes that people come out, uh, live in now, and you're four or five generations or ten generations from broken, dysfunctional families. How do I turn this around? What does a biblical marriage look like? Okay, here we go. Put on your, put on your big people pants because we're going to deal with it. The first thing it says is that you need to leave your mother and father. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Adam and Eve. Right? Who are they going to leave? They're it. He's given us a pattern for marriage. He's telling Adam, Adam, this is how marriage works. You're going to have children. Those, and for all you brilliant people that are so smart, where did Adam and Eve's kids get their wives? They were the sisters. All right? Different the bloodline was very different back then. And so, yes, the brothers married the sisters. The cousins married the cousins. Um, it still happens in some places, but we'll set that aside. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, um, in, in, this, in this context, there, there's your answer. Adam, Adam and Eve probably had hundreds of children. 
Adam lived 930 years. So as, as long as Eve could have had children, they would have had children. So just because three of them are mentioned does not mean that there weren't a whole lot of other children. Even though, again, people think they've foiled me when they ask that very difficult question. Um, but the point is this. There comes a time when you have to leave mom and dad. Now, some of you parents are wondering, is that ever going to happen? Are they really... Are they really going to leave? And sometimes they bounce a few times. Anybody know that? You, the best thing to do is to remodel as quickly as you can, but they're still, they're, they're, they're still probably going to come home. That's just part of the story. It's part of being a, a parent. But here is the principle, okay? Here's what I think the principle is. God was in the, 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 the plan of building leaders, and if everybody lives in Adam's house, how many leaders are there going to be? One. So God said, when the time comes, you leave. And you'll start your own family. Now let me show you how this plays out. Sometimes you don't have a choice. I understand that, especially in difficult economic times. But if you have two families living under the same roof, you're usually going to have two husbands that are struggling for power. And you're going to have two women that probably don't get along. You know why? That's not the right arrangement. Again, sometimes we don't have a choice, especially in the short term sometimes. But that was not the plan. The plan is to leave and develop leadership that the men step up, lead their own family, become the head of their own household. They develop their own families. That is the process that God's laying out for Adam from the very beginning. Matthew 19.4. Right? People, again, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook... All these people that are so much smarter than me make these videos and they, they want to explain why it's okay for men to be with men and women to be with women or a chicken or whatever else. And they say, here's what Jesus had to say about marriage. And they hold up blank cards. Let's read what Jesus said in Matthew, shall we? Haven't you read, and Jesus is going to quote Moses now. Haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them, say it, male and female. Now listen, we love you no matter what. If you're in a same-sex relationship, you need to get out of it. That's not of God. Now, I know, I know, one out of every two churches in America you go to, they'll tell you it's okay. As long as you love each other, it doesn't matter. It does matter. We'll cover that as we move on through the book. It does matter. How did God make them? Who knew? All right. You look, you look at the world today, and again, you've got such a beat-up world, and it's because of abuse, it's because of neglect, it's because of dysfunction. You can put one big word on all of that. You ready for it? Sin. It's sin. And this generation is really good at feeling. Now, I will admit to you, that's not my strong suit, okay? But people feel things. I feel like it's okay to have four wives and a couple of girlfriends. Well, it's stupid thought, but you can feel that way, but does that make it right? No. You'll always hear people, well, well this, this, I just feel this way about that. Well, doesn't, God doesn't care what you think. In fact, we have a culture that is so wrapped up in this. Put, will you put that quote up there? Right? The, world, the world's all caught up in what offends them when they should be worried about what offends God. 
But see, if you don't think there is a God, you've been told your whole life there's no God and the Bible's made up and there's no truth in there. And, and uh, you know, you don't know where Adam's uh, or the kids' wives came from. And they'll, they'll just run this stuff into the ground. But the truth is, the Bible's been consistent the entire time. There is a plan for sexuality, male, female, and if you're not married, you should be celibate. Now, this is hard because we're all guilty on a whole lot of levels in this story. And this is hard to deal with. And if you're living together, I'm going to get you married. And I'm telling you right now, I had a couple already take me up on it. I'll tell you right now, I will put every pastor on our staff on notice and we will do marriages around the clock until we get every one of you married. Because you know it's not right to live together. But yet that's, again, and I'm glad, here's what I'm glad of. It's not 1940. Nobody's pointing at people. Nobody's like, do you know they're doing this? Do you know? Because everybody's doing everything. So nobody points at anybody because everything's happening everywhere. You and I are not responsible for everybody else, but we are responsible for ourselves. And the Bible says very clearly, you're like, well, yeah, but, you know, living together helps us just kind of work out the difficulties that we have. Okay, let me help you. One, one in every two marriages ends in divorce. Tragic. Just, that's an American statistic. Second marriage, we get better, right? Second marriage, 75% divorce rate. Third, 90 well, surely by the third one, I've got to figure it out. Let me, let me help you with this. If you keep fishing in the same pond, you'll catch the same kind of fish. Okay? So you gotta, you gotta think through this process a little bit differently as to, as to how we're going to approach choosing a spouse. Again, if you're single, if you're divorced, if you're, uh, widowed, widower, what does the Bible say? You're free to marry in the Lord. If you're living together, okay, so what's the statistics there? Thank you, I'm glad you asked. The statistics are, because if I live together, it's a trial run, and then we'll know that everything's going to work. The divorce rate for people who live together before they're married is twice that of those who are married. Because there's a big difference in living together and being committed to God and your country and your community when you file the paperwork and you do what you're supposed to do and you actually get married in the eyes of God. When you do those things, the commitment changes everything. Again, I'm not here to beat you up. I will do your wedding. We'll get you married. Had a couple at last service. They said, well, we're having a wedding event June 2nd. Everything's free. We pay for everything. And... Uh, she said, I thought you'd, you said you'd marry us now. I said, I will. Do it, and do it tomorrow. Go get the license. Um, but they want to wait till June. Fine. I said, all the difference is whether we do counseling before you get married or after you get married. But either way, our goal is to get you right with God. All right? Is anybody tracking with me? Now, there's not a person. Well, maybe that's not true. There aren't very many people in this room that are not guilty somewhere in this story. One verse, right? We can't even get one verse right. All right? But yet at the same time, that doesn't mean that we don't strive to make it better. So if you are married, your goal is to stay married. If you're living together, your goal is to get married. If there's any way to restore a marriage, we want to restore the marriage. That's what we're all about. But the process begins by leaving your mother and father 
And then you weave your lives together. Now this is a picture of, of cloth. I'm not much of a seamstress. Uh, but Ecclesiastes says this. I think it's in chapter 4. Solomon wrote that a cord of two strands can be broken. But a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Husband and a wife and Jesus. And when those three are all wound together, it's awful hard for that cord to break. Now, I'm not telling you it doesn't happen. But I will tell you this, no matter how many times somebody has been married or how many relationships you've been in, if you say, I'm going to do it God's way, we're going we're gonna to go by the book every single way, we're going to be faithful to the Lord, we're going to be in church, we're going to do everything the way it's supposed to be done, the divorce rate drops to 3%. We can't stop it. We don't wipe it out. But we come a lot closer. Because we understand it's a commitment to God and a commitment to family. We told you that in the marriage ceremony. Uh, but not everybody grasps that. And, and let's be honest, life's hard. I tell people all the time when I'm doing marriage counseling, this is the most difficult thing you will ever do in your life. And they're, they look at me, because they're all sitting on my couch in my office, and they're staring into each other, like, honey, can I get you a cookie? And can I tell you, after 39 years, it's not that way every day, right? It's tough. Marriage is difficult. And that's why this weaving process is so important. In fact, one of the assignments I give every couple that's going through counseling with me is this. I say there are four billion men on the earth and there are four billion women on the earth. Out of those four billion, why are you choosing this one? And then I send them home to have that conversation because I want them to know why they're so special. So when somebody's tugging on you at the office and you're thinking, well, maybe I ought to take a look at this, you'll go back and say, you know what? Out of four billion people, I chose. It doesn't make any difference whether anybody else understands it or not. I chose and I know who she is. I chose and I know who he is. And that's why I made the decision I made. So the weaving part is about building that relationship, spending time together, talking together, reading together, going, going whatever, doing whatever together. It doesn't really matter what it is, but it's about that connection. Now, I put this verse up just to annoy you mostly. Um, it's a biblical fact, but go ahead and put the verse up. Well, and, and thank you for, for, she's got the notes, so Allison could like blow this up, but she knows I'm going to end it the right way. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Wow. Culture freaks out on that one, right? Well, that, that'd play on MSNBC really well, wouldn't it? Ladies, do you understand it's about, this is about protection? It's about God saying, if you're married, God's put a man in your life to be your spiritual protector. It's not a negative. Now, if you go on a little further, you'll read about how it is the man's job to love the wife unconditionally and that we are to treat our wives the way God treats the church. You talk about some responsibility? Yeah, it comes down that way too. But this whole idea of weaving our lives together is, is so important. But in our culture today, again, 
the society has got things so messed up that you, know, you hear open marriages and whatever, any ridiculous thing you can think. But this maybe illustrates our society better than anything else, right? This is a picture at an art museum in Dallas. Not much of an art guy to begin with, but there it is. Anybody see the art? No, it's because it's not there. There's nothing there. But that is, honestly, the display at the Dallas Art Museum. And it's sold for $18,000. I'm like, I could be this kind of an artist. I could do this. You know, so this is not hard. I'm not Leonardo da Vinci, but I could do this stuff. Our society is so used to buying empty things, they have no idea about a God who loves them, no idea about a God who created them, no idea about a God who had a plan for marriage. Churches don't even know, for goodness sake, because nobody reads the book. But we are to leave our mother and father, we are to cleave to one another. And there's an interesting verse in Joshua, it's in chapter 1. Moses has died. They, they, they've been sitting in a mountain. Moses got the Ten Commandments twice, if you remember the story. Uh, he comes down, he teaches the laws to the people, and then Moses dies. Moses is buried somewhere on Mount Nebo. One of the archangels buried him uh, so that they wouldn't stuff him and worship him. Because that's everything. they got everything else wrong, so why not that? And God says to Joshua, you spend enough time at the mountain, it's time to move on. You spend enough time, I've spent enough time trying to do relationships my way, marriage my way. At some point, you and I have to figure out what really matters is doing things God's way. And God said to Joshua, it's been great having you here. I'm glad you were here at the mountain. But now you need to go do what I've told you to do. They're going to go take the promised land. All right, We're going to cross into Jericho and all that happens in the book of Joshua. But... It's real easy to just stay where you are rather than say, no, I'm going to become the husband God wants me to be, the wife God wants me to be, the man that God wants me to be, the woman that God wants me to be if you're single. There's so many ways we can apply this. But then the last part is the cleaving. And this is the hardest. All right. And if you've only been married a short time, this is really difficult. But the longer you're married, the more this becomes real. Um, you've been through death of parents. Death of family members, maybe death of children. You've lost children in some kind of a way. Uh, there's addictions that you, you, you've been through it. All right. And anybody that thinks this is easy, that marriage is easy, has no idea what marriage is really about. Because everybody goes through those valleys and it hits those walls. And I'm telling you, if you don't have each other, you're just not going to make it. And, you know, again, who's God talking to? Adam and Eve. Who else are they going to talk to? God says you need to cleave to one another. Who else is Eve going to cleave to? A zebra? There's only two people. But God's explaining you all need to hold on to each other because because of sin, they're going to be thrown out of the garden. And then one of their boys is going to kill one of the other boys. So right out of the gate, they've got to learn to hold on to each other during life. Listen, let me tell you how that's played out for me and my wife. We've got lots of stories, a lot of pain that we've unfolded. But I and I and I mean this sincerely. 
that if every one of you said, Joe, that was the finest exposition of Scripture, that nobody, the Apostle Peter would long to be a preacher like you. All right? And my wife said, Joe, that was the most vacuous thing you've ever said. There was nothing to it. All of your words combined wouldn't mean a thing to me. Because she knows me inside and out. She knows me better than all of you combined. And that's the idea. That's that cleaving together. Because we've been through all the wars together. We got all the scars to prove it. And we got all the smiles and pictures to prove it. But everybody's been through it. And you've got to just hold on tight to each other. That's the principle that God gave us. It doesn't mean we don't need other friends or family. But there's a time when there's nobody else going to be able to do that except that spouse. That's why this is so important. Now here's the other side, ladies. This will make you feel better. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Guys, let me help you. All right? It means be kind, be nice. I'm not very good with my tone. Any guys have trouble with the tone of your voice? Just me. Okay. I'll accept that. All right. Um, that's my wife's biggest complaint, that it's not what you say, Joe, it's how you say it. I am. I know. I've got to treat my wife with consideration. Now, guys, we could talk about practical things. Your, your wife should never open a door. She should never open her car door. Um, you ought to protect her at, at, at every cost. I mean, that, that's, that's all just basic stuff. But it's not so basic in a world that's rejected God and his plan and his purpose. But Peter goes on. He says, and treat them with respect. Nice. Ladies, I'm sorry. Hang in there. As a weaker partner. Again, CNN's having a meltdown somewhere. But the truth is, most men can lift more weight than most women. It's called testosterone, all right? This throws off modern scientists and modern media, but it is true, okay? But here's the good point, okay? You respect her as a weak, weaker partner, as heir of the kingdom of God, and we both have the gracious gift of eternal life. And do that so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Okay, now let me explain this. So I'm a coffee mug, and my wife is fine china both do the same job, don't they? You can have coffee out of both of them. You can have tea out of both of them. You can, they can both do the same job. But the mug is built differently than the teacup. And you know what? That's a good thing because I, I didn't want to marry a man. Does that make sense? God designed us male and female. That's his plan. That was his purpose. And I love what Kyle Eidelman says. Kyle's a, a preacher in Louisville. Kyle said, don't think about what's been done to you. Think about what's been done for you. Let me ask you this question. What would happen in your marriage? What would happen in your relationship? What would happen even with your friendships? If you stop thinking about what's been done to you and start thinking of what's been done for you. A lot of people would have to get off Facebook. That would be the first thing they'd have to do. Because all people do is whine and gripe. But it's amazing. That, that sentence is so... That would transform any marriage that's here in the room. Well, stick together. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
uses that phrase, and it literally means to be glued together. And if you're wondering what this looks like, if you take two pieces of paper and you glue them together, and we'll wait two or three days, let the glue set up really good, okay? And we go back and we try to take those two pieces of paper apart, what's going to happen? We're going to destroy both pieces of paper, right? That's what happens in people's lives. And if you've had multiple partners, you've given away part of your soul along the way. And that's why it's so hard for people to bond together today because there's been so much other stuff that's gone on. So you really have to back up, repent, and say, God, look, I need to start this whole process over. And I need to do it your way. Let me switch gears. There's, there it is. That's my marriage speech. But this is about, for some of you, just coming to Jesus. All right? If, the, if this is the word of God, then the whole point of the story is that Jesus died for us, to forgive us for all of our sins. And that's why he went to the cross. That's why he bled. That's why the resurrection. And if you've not accepted Jesus, that's where it's got to start because we can't live these kind of principles until we get you into a relationship with the God who loves you. So if you're online, hit that button. I've decided if you're here, there'll be people up front. There'll be people out of guest services. Answer your questions to pray with you. Um, you want to talk about getting married? We're ready to go. We'll help you with that. Whatever. But I'll finish with this story. All right. This is, I think, last week. It was a waitress. Um, there was a, a car coming right at the restaurant. Here's what the front of the restaurant ended up looking like. We've all seen uh, stories like this take place. But the waitress saw the whole thing unfolding. She saw the car coming. And she jumped up and knocked a child, young man out of the way. And she took the impact of the car. Didn't kill her. It's a great story. She's doing okay. But in the spiritual world, Jesus saw the train coming. And Jesus stepped out in front of the train and he died for all of us. That's what the story is about. So, Father, as we sort this out, I have no idea. I don't know who needs to get married. I don't know who's thinking about leaving. I don't know who's cheating. I have no idea what's going on. But you do. So I'm asking for you to go to work. You said your word would not come back void, wouldn't come back empty. So I'm asking you, God, to put this to work in every person's life as only you can. So we thank you for the gift of marriage, and we thank you for the plan of marriage. In Jesus' name, amen.